The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. I'm joined in studio now by Connor Faulkner, transport commentator and also CEO of the RIAC. Uh, we want to talk to him about um, car insurance and when to claim and when not to claim and what the implications might be, but also about a story today about a, a bike or a car stolen in Dublin City every three hours. I would have thought maybe bikes even more frequently than that. Uh, good morning, Connor. Good morning, Pat. Hello. On the line <coughs> is Paul McQuaid of the Good Bike Project. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, uh, Pat, uh, you're a family uh, steeped in uh, bicycles. Uh, you can tell me about the Good Bike Project in a moment. But if you've got a bike, uh, a lot of people don't use them because they know they can't guarantee their security when they go to the shops or park them. Um, that's correct, Pat. Unfor- unfortunately, um, people spend far too little on the lock. Th- there's no great science to this. I advise people all the time to spend €100 Euros less on the bike and €100 Euros more on the lock. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a hard okay, thing to so do. Okay, so how, uh, how much of a lock would you have to pay for a lock? Would you have to pay to guarantee that the thieves can't take it easily. I mean, they can they can use an angle grinder and get any lock off, but, I mean, they want to snatch and grab, don't they? They want to snatch and grab, but let me just tell you the difference between cheap um, a U-lock and a good U-lock. A cheap U-lock you can get through with an angle grinder in 10, 15 seconds. The lock that I have been using for the last 10, 15 years takes about three minutes to get through. So there's a huge difference between the, 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 the metal in the best quality. And I'm talking, the, don't, don't buy a decent one. Don't buy a good one. Buy the best quality that you can afford. And if you're spending a thousand euros on a bike, I strongly advise that you spend 850 or 900 euros on the bike and spend a hundred euros extra on the lock. There's a huge difference in the quality of a cheap U-lock and uh, uh, the best quality yeah. No, you lock that one uh, can buy. The, the kind of steel that's in these locks, what is it? Is it titanium steel or so, you know, something know really esoteric? No, I, I, I genuinely don't know what's in them, but I only know that I have, I've, uh, the Good Bike Project gets donated bikes um, all, all the time um, from Garda stations and people's um, garages, and we often get them uh, donated with the locks on them. Um, so I've cut a lot of these locks off these bikes. I mean, I do it almost every day of the week with an angle grinder. And believe me, when I see one of these coming in with the the, the really top quality kryptonite um, lock, I know that I'm in for five minutes of serious, serious um, uh, sparks. So the, the, so the it, idea is that someone trying to uh, steal a bike with the angle grinder and they're going to be at it for five minutes, it's almost inevitable they'll be spotted and someone will say, hey, what are you at? Exactly. You know, the, 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 like I said, there's no great science science to it. I just wish people would, because they're coming into me every day of the week saying I bought a bike for a thousand euros and a bike to work scheme and it was stolen a couple of months later, stolen a couple of weeks later. And, you know, it, 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 I, I'm blue in the face saying it and it makes me sound a bit of a pain, um, but I, I just have to say the same thing all the time. Spend a hundred euros less on the bike. And a, a bike for 800 euros is going to look just as nice as a bike for 900 euros. And it's going to get you from A to B just as smoothly. You now, know? now, you run a bike rental company. So what about your customers? How can they guarantee that they'll bring the bike back to you? I mean, you'll have their credit card details, I presume. So you're not going to be short, but still My- you'd prefer to get the bike back. My bike rental company went on pause two years ago, Pat, when I started giving bikes to Ukrainians for free. Um, so I haven't been, renting bi- haven't been renting bikes in the last two years. Okay, and, and how did you manage? Because theft, bike theft is not new. So how did you manage to secure those bikes when you were renting them? 
I always had very expensive um, bike locks. And yes, we did lose a few because I'd been doing it for quite a few years. But um, none of my bikes ever went out with a cheap U-lock. Um, uh, I, I've been just banging on about that for years. Now, um, tell me about uh, your... I, I, your... I, have, I have U-locks that I bought 15 years ago and I'm st- still, still using them. Uh, tell me about the Good Bike Project, which was to get bikes to Ukrainian families who didn't have transport and needed to get from A to B. Yeah, two years ago, um, I gave away three of my own bikes to a, a Ukrainian family that had just moved. And um, uh, it, that day changed my life. And since then, we have given out um, just over 2,500 bikes to Ukrainians. And now not just Ukrainians, we're giving Afghanis um, bikes recently as well. Um, people are giving us their unused bikes, unwanted bikes, um, because there is no market for secondhand bikes anymore. And shops don't take them um, on the, pretty much don't take them on the bike to work scheme. Um, so there are thousands and thousands of perfectly restorable um, bikes in garages and gardens and garden stations all over this country. Um, and we're receiving them, restoring them and giving them to Ukrainians um, literally all over the country with the help of uh, DPD, the yeah. courier company. They have literally taken bikes from us and given them to Ukrainians in all 26 counties. And do you t- take children's bikes as well? Because, you know, there could be perfectly good bike a child gets when they're age 10 or 11 and they grow out of it very quickly. We're taking all the way down to balance bikes, the tiniest little tot bikes, because it's mostly women and mothers and their kids um, that are here for the most part, yeah. like it's, it's 70, about 70% women and their kids. And then the, the, the other 30% is made up of people who have been injured, Ukrainians who have been injured in the war um, and older Ukrainian gentlemen, which we love giving bikes to. Um, yeah. These old guys, uh, all, literally all around the country, we sent two over to Ackle Island to um, a 72-year-old gentleman and his, I don't, I don't know, um, his, obviously his wife yeah. um, and th- now they're cycling around Ackle Island and he's sending us pictures and it's mm-hmm. just amazing. You, you mentioned that you get uh, bikes from Garda stations. Yeah, Ballymun Garda station have been very, very um, uh, good to us. Um, obviously these bikes have been held by the, by the uh, Garda Shikana for over a year um, and they've done all their um, efforts to get find their previous owners and they've given us hundreds of bikes and it's an absolutely massive help um, and I'm, if I could use this little um, uh, um, uh, moment or your platform to um, ask any Garda station in the country. Um, there, I was in Kilmainham Garda station a couple of months ago when I got my uh, stolen um, cargo bike back, in no, in, in no small part uh, thanks to Newstalk for putting the shout out back then. Um, and here I see in the corner a heap of really good quality bikes um, and many of the, I, and I spent a good few minutes looking at them because bikes are my thing. Um, and many of them didn't even have the pulse sticker on them. Um, and I, I think that's a crying shame that bikes aren't uh, being used yeah. when they could be being used. And, um, and for people who have a bike, they should, uh, you know, have a photograph of it, know the frame number so that should it turn up, they can say, yeah, that's mine and here's my evidence. Yeah, um, um, people. The frame number. The frame number is on the bottom, underneath the pedals on every bike that's sold. Um, so it's not that hard to write it down or take a photograph of it, and um, uh, you can literally send it to. Um, I think it's either Kevin Street or Pier Street Garda Station, and they'll record it. Mm-hmm. So if the bike is ever stolen, they have the they they, they have the details. So, um, like I I don't want to sound like a pain again, but there's a certain amount of um, owner responsibility. Um, with regard to bike security 
and hanging onto your bike. And I'm, I'm, I, I need, I, like, I want to put that to the owners of the bikes. It's up to you to have a good lock. It's up to you to lock your bike properly. And um, if you want to take a step further, um, send that uh, uh, frame number. It'll go on whatever the Garda um, uh, computer system is. And that's that's the most you can do, you know. Yeah. All right, Paul. Uh, where are you based, by the way? I presume people can find you online, The Good Bike Project. The Good Bike Project, yeah. We're down on Usher's Island and we're there pretty much uh, seven days a week. Very good. So, uh, yeah. Paul. Paul, well done on that fantastic work you're doing to to get wheels to those who need it. Paul McQuaid of The Good Bike Project. Listening to all of that is Connor Faulkner. Connor, that's a terrific idea, isn't it? Yeah, it's a brilliant idea. And uh, listen, congratulations to Paul. And it's good to see those zombie bikes being used. I remember I had responsibility for a car park on uh, South William Street when I was in the AA. And, you know, we had staff using bikes. But, you know, over a period of months, there'd just be bikes there. We used to call them zombie bikes. And we'd circulate a photo and say, this bike hasn't moved. And, you know, eventually after a period of time, we would uh, cut it away from the rack and give it to a staff member who needed it. So it's a strange floating population of bikes. And I think the, the reason is probably, as Paul gave, um, the bike to work scheme, you know, nowadays, bit of a disposable culture, people will, will get the next thing. Um, but the other thing that's just tragic is the absolute scourge of, of bike and car theft that's going on at the moment. It's never been great in Dublin or Ireland, but there does appear to be a real splurge of of theft activity for cars and for bikes right now in Dublin City. Quarter one of this year has seen a a huge spike in incidents. Um, This uh, WhatsApp, uh, bike theft is massive Mm. for us bikers and we've countless videos showing bike theft actually happening on the streets in Dublin in broad daylight. We share these videos and warn each other on our WhatsApp groups. Another one, I have to ask, what member of the public is going to approach a thief with an angle grinder to stop them stealing a bike? That's uh, from Dermot in Waterford. Well, you'd like to think a guard might. Um, You you know, you'd like to think if there are businesses with CCTV, uh, people could take a video of it. Um, I had an incident a few years ago. Um, One of my my sons actually lost the key to his lock. Um, So the bike was locked to a pole in town. And, you know, we made arrangements. I borrowed a big bolt cutter from the, the local hardware guy and I went in. And, you know, it was it was amazing how little challenge. He double parked the car, took out an enormous bolt cutter, cut away the bike, uh, stuck it in the back of the car and away In I seconds. Went. In seconds. Now, of course, it was our bike, mm. but I mean, it just shows you how easy it is yeah. to do. Here's another text. My grandson's bike was snatched while he had his hand on the saddle chatting to a pal. He's just standing there, hand on the saddle, yeah. holding the bike, gone. Another one. Uh, appreciate the comments on good locks for bikes, but it makes no difference. In my case, they left both wheels behind, locked to a public bike mount. What to do? What to do? Yeah, it That's depends on the value of the thing. But I think there is some wisdom. We used to say it uh, about cars, you know, a, a, a crook lock, a big visible lock on the steering wheel is a great deterrent. And it's not that it makes it theft proof, but it makes it significantly more difficult than the one beside it. So, you know, that's the best thing you can do, as Paul was advising. But collectively, surely we can do something more about the absolute scourge of of theft that's going on. Another one here. I was speaking to a taxi driver this morning. Guy tried to steal 50 euro from the taxi. The driver got out to chase the guy. When the thief was running away, he whistled to another friend who then got into the taxi and tried to rob the car. Um, obviously, ran, ran back mm-hmm. uh, and the prospective thief, thief exited, went to the guy at the station, waiting for three hours, no result. Mm. Um, when we lived in Zimbabwe in the 80s, all bikes had to be registered, so there was a record of the owner in all the police stations. That's uh, 
from Annette. There's yeah. a reluctance here to have any registration at all of bicycles. You know, yeah. civil liberties. I'm entitled to ride my bike where I want on mm. the footpath or down the wrong way in a one-way street well, and I don't want to be identified. Yeah, well, I don't... No to footpaths and no to one-way streets. But yes, in my view, to a sort of, you know, floating general population of bikes out there, I, I think it would be retrograde to, to register every cyclist. Using a bike has to be smooth and easy. And if you look at some of the Scandinavian cities, you know, it, it works really, really well. And there's things that Dublin is good at and things that Dublin is bad at. I, I, our municipal bike scheme, the Dublin Bike Bikes. Brilliant scheme. Works really, really well. They simply don't have a problem with theft or vandalism. Where we have a massive problem is when people spend money, a thousand euro to two, three thousand euro on an e-bike. They can't bloody use it unless you've got Fort Knox to lock it in at your destination. Yeah. You simply daren't leave it in, in, you know, on street or in a public facility in Dublin. Now, that's just not true in lots of other cities and, and we must be able yeah. to be I mean, be better the, the than that. Dublin City Council is great at putting up plastic bollards and all sorts of things to protect the cyclist, but people are not going to take their bikes if they can't lock them in a secure locker. I mean, there are such things at train stations. I think there, there are, are some where you put the thing in the, and it's absolutely secure and it's observed by CCTV and so on. So there are ways, and if you want to have active travel then you've got to provide that as well as plastic bollards. Yeah, I think you do. I, I, Drury Street Car Park's a good example. They have a very good uh, bike facility there and it's free and people use it and it feels very safe. Um, but look, in, in our city, bikes are going to be on street. So we can talk about how best to protect your bike and quality U-locks and this, that and the other and how long does it take an angle grinder. Um, but we've got to be better both culturally and in terms of enforcement and consequences. You shouldn't be able to roll up mm-hmm. with an angle grinder in full view of a CCTV and go to work yeah. and disappear with a load of bikes. D- didn't the police have this uh, uh, decoy bike that yes. they would place in a particular location, then it would be robbed. It had a chip in it. They could locate it, follow to its destination and get the bad guys. Great idea. Great idea. I think they had one. I'm not sure how it has worked. And and, there's different types of theft that are going on. There's the low level stuff. There's actually a scourge at the moment with young offenders, repeat young offenders. And that's kind of one phenomenon. There are also organised gangs who are targeting things like high-value cars or high-value motorbikes. Um, and that's an organised crime problem. So a different, a different type of policing problem and your dummy bikes and, and you know, yeah. detective stings and all that, um, definitely. In Buckingham Street in Dublin, the, the bike thieves actually cut through the pavement-mounted bike locking equipment. Mm. Um, I mean, that's how uh, good they are at what they do. It's absolutely nuts, is that texture. Now, uh, we wanted to talk to you, not about bikes really, yeah. but about insurance. And... When to use your insurance to pay for a prang, whether it's happened to you or whether you've inflicted it. Yeah. uh, Because when you do that, you lose your no claims bonus. Um, And And when just to pay up yourself and uh, keep your no claims bonus. Yeah, very common experience for the Irish motorist. Um, You've had an incident in the car. Maybe you knocked off your neighbour's wing mirror or you had a minor shunt. Oh God, all right. And you exchange details and you think, well, you know, is it worth making a claim on insurance or what's going to happen? Um, and classically, you know, it depends is always the answer. Virtually every insurance policy has got protected no claims these days, but they do vary. And how big is your no claims discount? Well, insurance companies are not terribly transparent. So some will claim that it's a 75% discount for five years, no claims. Others will say it's, you know, 50%, 60%. It's hard to know 
All you know is the number they want to charge you. Now, the average insurance premium is a little over €600 Euro at the moment. Going up, by the way, for the first time in a few years, that's not good news. So if you look at that and you say, OK, if I lose my no claims discount, um, what will happen to my premium? Will it double? Um, what will happen next year? Um, and you can kind of work that out. And so see if what it's, the value uh, say, 600 now mm. and I lose my no claims bonus, which is 60%, yeah. then you can say, well, 600 is 40%. That means 10% is 150. It's going to cost me 1500 next year. It's going, yeah. OK, so then it depends really on the value of the claim. I mean, if you smash into somebody's roller and cause massive damage to the Rolls-Royce. Well, it looks like you're you're reaching for the phone then and you're telling your insurance company. Um, but the other thing is that where a lot of times people would have said, look, I'll sort you out. I, I'm after breaking your rear headlight there. Uh, terribly, I'll sort you out. And, the, you know, you'd look at that and go, OK, probably could be 400. These days could be 500 quid. And you're discovering that actually... It's 1,500 quid. And there's, a, you know, reasons for that. Uh, one is sort of just general escalation in cost of labour and cost of The other of is chance in the arm. There's a bit of that, but the, the, the more recent phenomenon is a lot of these parts are much more expensive to replace because they're now smart parts. They're now sensitive. So, for example, a windscreen. You might previously have replaced a windscreen for three, four hundred euros. Now it's a smart windscreen. It could have LiDAR installed in it. It's got the, this and that sensor in it. It needs to be recalibrated as well as reinstalled. And the bill suddenly is two grand for a windscreen. So now you're going to the insurance company. And what the insurance company are noticing, insurance companies are noticing is that even as personal injuries is getting a little bit better, material damage claims are going up and up and up. Do they talk to each other? I mean, if you've had a claim with insurer X yes. and you're shopping around and you opt to, to go to insurer Y, do they know about your claim against X? Yes, they do. And you must declare it. And this brings us to another problem with making that claim and saying, OK, you know, actually Pat's wing mirror is going to cost three grand in the heel of the hunt. So I'm going to make a claim. Um, one of the problems that comes with that is that when you come to renew your insurance next year, you now have a claim on the policy. And that could mean that your existing insurer has you captive. You might find it much more difficult to shop around and get a better price. So that'll be one of the hidden dangers in making the insurance mm. claim. So you know, if it's material damage only, uh, obviously if there's any hint of personal injury, you're not going to... But if it's material damage only, even if it stings, you're probably better off trying to pay for that yourself rather than making mm. a claim. And as no doubt loads of people will say to us, well then what's the point of insurance mm. companies? But I mean sadly that... that Here's a question for you, Connor. I was involved uh, with a collision with a minor on a quad. I I was wholly not at fault. Mm -hmm. 30k damage to my six-week-old car. Have to claim on my own comprehensive policy. My insurer will not pay out on a new car replacement, although fully satisfying the conditions, and will not pay out for diminished value of the new car now being repaired as I'm claiming on my own policy. No replacement car given in 19 weeks since the accident. No end in sight. I've had to buy another car out of pocket to the tune of 40k in all. Um, the Motor Insurance Bureau will not get involved as there was no registration on the quad. And this is where I'm coming to on scooters mm. and e-bikes and all the rest of it. Um, a complaint with the ombudsman, but uh, looking at up to two years for a solution. That's from Jean. Yeah, it's a really messy one by the sound of things. And I don't know, it seems like some unsatisfactory uh, customer service and other bits from the insurance company, I do not know. But as a but principle... But this business of the quad, yeah, a kid on a quad, a minor on a quad, no insurance... And, there, and this guy totally not at fault. The miner on the quad was at fault. And yet he's got to pay through the nose. Well, it, 
in, in the long term, maybe we can look at, for example, holding the, the, the child's parent to some... I, I'm not sure what the fix is there, but it's a child. Remember, you said it's a minor, Pat. But the and minor mi- should not be on a quad. Well, it shouldn't be on a quad, no. But yeah, on the chi- public road. But children shouldn't run across the road either, Pat. And it will on occasion happen. You're talking about children. So in terms of making legislation for that, or the poor motorist who's in, in an... Sometimes you'll be involved in an incident, which is just nobody's fault. It's hard to... You could, for example, hit a... A loose horse or, or something like that. And it can be a circumstance where you're in, you, you have to claim on your insurance. And no matter what, it's not going to restore you to the perfect situation that existed before the accident. I mean, that's unfortunate. Um, no, but, but, but why is there this resistance to insist that all road users have some sort of insurance? Um, what's, well, what's the problem? Well, h- how do you fulfil it? So you're talking about children on bicycles. So a 10-year-old on a bicycle will have some requirement for registration, for identification, for road insurance. I don't think that's a good social practice. And I tell you something else, Pat, forever about the problem we're trying to solve here. If we imposed that solution, one of the unintended consequences would be a dramatic reduction in cycling. And we don't want that as a social outcome. So I'm not sure what the fix is. In the case of that child with the quad, I totally accept child shouldn't be on the quad. Quad shouldn't be on the road. Parents should be controlling the child. But in all of those circumstances, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how good a fix it would be to, you know, impose, this impose one, I, insurance I deliver baked products by bike, but no insurance product is available in Ireland for accidents. Interesting. Um, mm. Interesting. And over to the insurance industry. I mean, if it's an insurable risk, I mean, insurance companies are... In, I was going, I'm not going to say benign actors, but they're certainly morally neutral. And if they think there's a market and they think there's a margin, they, they could be attracted into it. Uh, I mean, that's a commercial insurance and public, mm. uh, public liability, employer liability uh, product that's required there. Can be a difficult area, but uh, I mean, I take the point. But that seems to me to be an insurable risk. All right. Well, so many uh, comments and questions coming in uh, <laughs> on this particular topic. But Connor, for the moment, Connor Falkland, transport commentator, CEO of the RIAC, uh, thank you very much for joining. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.